The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Scott just checked his hair out and the phone on selfie mode to see how it was looking. So you're really starting to get a hang of this. Sexy at 60. Not yet. I keep saying 60, but he's only 58. But we were joking about 60 and hair and teeth and everything else. You got a nice cigar today. Yeah, this is supposed to be an expensive cigar. It's a little bit smaller. Yeah, mild. We're at, we're at $30 a cigar. I'll let you know when that number goes close to $100. That's pretty much how Scott operates. I'm going to start rolling big spliffs now that I yeah. uh, harvested all my plants. Oh, my God. You guys, we're lucky to be here today. We barely have time to come and podcast. We're trimming like crazy. I'm just... Buried in sticky buds. Yeah, my my hands, everything. It's a it's lot a, it's going a tough, on. It's a tough problem, I'll tell you. All right. We got to start with the quirky tip of the day. Today, we are going to talk about Petco's new campaign, Stop the Shock. <laughs> but first, quirky tip of the day. And the quirky tip of the day is um, about nail clipping. Uh, I got really worried during COVID about people putting peanut butter on their foreheads and yeah, getting down the, in the dog's faces and everything else. What's the problem with the peanut butter? I'm not following. We don't want to have a dog that might bite you in the face because they're concerned. We don't want you reaching, grabbing for them. That put people in a precarious situation. But I realized how much people rely on groomers and vets and maybe even places like Petco to get the nails done. So my advice to you is if you do it at home, make sure you get clippers um, like these guys right here. Don't get the guillotine clippers. So, you going to um, zoom in on that yeah, for us? he's working on it. So uh, these guys right here that have two open ends, this is the way to do it. Looks the like thing. a pair of scissors. Perfect. Yep, yep. Little trimmers, little pair of scissors. Those ones that have the guillotine, um, that's what I call them, the guillotine clippers, where you, like, you put the nail in and then the wall comes down and slices through. That's that a blade, puts a blade some that comes blade, down. Blade, whatever. Um, that puts some extra pressure on the nails and you don't want those. Well, when the so blade get gets those. dull, it crushes the nail is yeah. what happens. And yeah, then and it's, it's not. It, it kind of splays out the nail and all <laughs> And I just like these because I carve a lot and shave a lot. I, I, I can't really do a podcast on nail clipping because it's so intricate, but I'll probably do a YouTube video or Facebook video or something soon because I'm a little bit cuckoo crazy about nails and mm -hmm. it's a topic near and dear to my heart all right so stop the shock scott didn't even know this happened but uh we're jumping on the bandwagon actually here. one of my clients sent me an yeah, email from petco to them yeah. that they were on the petco list and apparently they are going to discontinue the sale of shock collars at petco nationally here and i think they should have done this a long time ago yeah, well, for and one, I'll tell that you is why true. after she gets done with her position on that. This. Is true. Well, just for the news aspect of it, um, it's a very big like stop the shock campaign. So I actually just hashtagged it on Instagram when we were going to be doing this topic, and there's less than a hundred people so far jumping on the hashtag hashtag bandwagon. But they're um, suggesting other businesses do the same withdrawing from using electric collars and electric current as it relates to training dogs. So why don't you tell our listeners and viewers why you think it's a good idea that they did it? Well, uh, you know, I've been going to Petco like everybody else for, you know, the past 20 years to pick up treats, dog toys, dog food, you know, all these things. And uh, they have a section there with e-collars, electronic um, collars and invisible fences and all that kind of stuff under lock and key in the front of the store. Uh, and it's hard to actually get some help to get in there if you want something. And uh, 
I have heard from many people that have gone in there to try and buy an electric collar that the people that work there tell them not to buy it. It's a bad thing and that it's, it's a terrible way to train. It's a cruel tool and all that stuff. And I'm like, why the hell do they have these products in their store if they're making you feel like crap when you try to buy one? It also, they do the same thing with the uh, pinch collars. So if you go in there and try and buy, and they're all, on, you know, they're all lined up there. They have prong collars. And you try and buy it, and people get a lot of heat for trying to buy a prong collar at Petco. So if they really feel that way, if this is a top-down kind of a policy or unwritten rule, they shouldn't have any of that stuff in the store to make people feel bad about trying to purchase it. Just take it all out of the store. And that being said, if the, you know, they're all about you know, not having you know, animal cruel products in there, they should get rid of a lot of the foods in there, too. <laughs> Because a lot of those foods are friggin' crap. They're just big money products. Those, and if they the really they're just cardboard. If they really care about the dogs, they should go through all the inventory and evaluate all the foods and find out which ones are not good that don't have a lot of value for the dogs and they should discontinue all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that too. is true. And there's a lot of toys in there that dogs can choke on. So I think they should just close the store <laughs> altogether. <laughs> That's the bottom line is just shut them down. Well, I do agree that I'm glad that Petco specifically got rid of their um, shock collars, electric collars, whatever you want to call them, training collars, some people call them, um, because of the quality that they were selling. So I would say that probably the highest price point of a collar there was like 70 bucks maybe. And they were just terrible collars. They were like more like little kid toys. Some I think you actually had to put a battery inside of. And a collar that goes from one to five is going to be like a hotter collar, if you will. Like maybe you don't feel it all on one. And then all of a sudden on two, you're jumping out of your skin. So we're going to get into some of the higher quality collars and everything else as time goes on. And I do agree with Scott that stand by what you're going to promote as a company. I went in there to get a plastic pinch collar the other day, and they only had one star mark left there. So I don't know if they're going to be discontinuing the plastic pinches and the metal pinch collars and everything else. My greater concern is the way that this was presented um, to the their customers and to the country and everything else. So they're saying it like, you know, train with treats. That was um, a big point of the article, train with treats, not with electric. Well, that's all fine and good. And I'm not saying that you have to put an e-collar on a dog and start hitting buttons to get them to work. But many, 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 many dogs do not take treats, whether it is in their home, whether it is outside of their home, whether it is during a six-week class at Petco, that is one thing that you can't just pull out treats and get dogs to do things. If that was the case, no one would ever call a dog trainer because they could just walk around the yard with hot dogs and their dogs wouldn't bark at squirrels and they wouldn't you know, chase other dogs walking by and everything else. Uh, so that's one thing that bothers me about it. And another thing that is an issue is it's going back to promoting them. It's, it's going back to promoting, come to our classes. We'll show you the right way. I can tell you with great certainty that we probably have 50% of our clients that have been to Petco classes or PetSmart classes, and they have nothing. It's like a good place to just get your puppy out and go socialize and everything else, but they don't have any real practical um, tools to take away from that, any uh, real exercises or anything after just six to eight weeks, which would make sense. It's a lower price class and they're, they don't hire necessarily a certain quality of trainers or anything else. So one, the message is don't do that. Use treats, come back to us. We'll show you how to do it. Ideally, that's the case. And then what they're also doing is they're saying, if you're unclear about the best way to do things, we have a free online class for you. Well, all that is, is an email generator. They want to get people's emails to build their list. Smart move, good way to go. So they're going to give you this free course. And then it says in the article, verbatim, it says, 
Petco said shoppers will be encouraged to try products and services rooted in positive reinforcement training methods, including its new online training program and private and in-home training classes. So what's the problem? Well, Sounds what that like- means now is these pet co-trainers who they're nice people. I'm not saying anything, but they're not super qualified. They're going to be basically going out and doing what you're doing, which scares the living hell out of me. And it showed out of most dog owners. You just went to see that American <clears throat> bulldog the other day. You said it was the most aggressive dog you saw in years. Uh, that's true. Um, but I'm not going to knock all pet code dog trainers because I, I know a few. I've known a few over the years that were pretty good that referred me quite a bit because their hands were tied uh, with the methodolo- methodologies they could use. And if they knew the dog needed more than what they could offer, they would refer me to the well, client. But that's not nice. going to be the case if they're doing in-person training. My concern more so about this is they show up, they're in over their heads, or the online form to actually get a pet co-trainer to your house excludes any dog with a history of aggression, any dog that has this behavior, any not- dog that's broken the skin. What is that going to look like? What is it going to What is it going to exclude before they actually go to the home? I would say that you don't, you go to someone's home and see their dog, no matter what they tell you. You've never said, "I'm not going to come to the house." Yeah, of maybe course. if it was you know, like they need, they're calling me because they need help. But I, I always thought that dog training at Petco, I always considered it a loss leader item. It's very inexpensive. It's non confrontational. It's not going to alienate anybody from the store because the money made at Petco is through people coming back every week or every month to buy dog food for 15 years. You don't want to have someone, they don't want people coming in for a class, having instructors putting e-collars on the dogs, having people get upset and say, I'm never coming to Petco again to buy my dog food for the next 15 years. So from that perspective, I mean, they're using the animal rights thing and, you know, we want to be happy and force free and all that stuff. But really, I mean, there's a, I think, another motive, and it's to keep people coming, and and they want to distance themselves from anything controversial, so that people keep coming to buy. Yeah, it's food. a very, it's a very big political move. But on top of that, it's a way for them to expand. There was an article that came out, um, I believe it was in September, about how they're, you know, on the verge of being a six billion dollar company, Petco as a whole, and how they're trying to expand and do different things. Well, they're selling these e-collars that were very low quality at a pretty small price point. Not every customer was going to be coming they're, in they're and buying all, them. They're not, excuse me one sec, they're not all cheap collars. Is it, they're inexpensive, they're not high quality, but they're not cheap. They're making regardless, good money there. Regardless, I don't think that they were making as much money as e-collars as they were on pet food. Let's put it that way. Yeah. People well, are coming not. in and of buying bags. Of do- That's where the big money is, yeah. dog food, everything else. Another place where they make money is these classes. Now they're going to do in-person classes, everything else. I'm not saying that that necessarily won't go well, but it takes a certain person with a certain level of experience to walk into someone's home and deal with any issue that may arise. And serious issues do arise. I mean, it's random that that happens, but you came home and said that dog was muzzled and you you didn't even offer him boot camp. The yeah, lady. They'll probably pre-screen all that stuff and they're not going to put But their- then that's my point. Who is going to help those people? So now we're bashing. Yeah, it, No, but that's the whole point. This is where it gets a little bit hairy. Stop the shock. Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, we're not going to come to your house. Why don't you go see a behaviorist? Okay, that consults $500. There's medicine. It's just, it's just this endless like rabbit hole of like, what does that mean? Where does that leave people? And there is a political move here. And there has been political moves and law stuff coming, like legislation introduced about let's stop this equipment, let's stop this equipment. And we have a lot of theories about why e-collars will never be banned in the country and why we have more freedom than a lot of people do worldwide. And we can get to that after the break. But th- things like this do happen. <laughs> 
<laughs> things like this do happen, though. I mean, in Switzerland and in Sweden, they actually have a ban on crates. You cannot legally crate your dogs there. They will not allow you to do that. They see that as inhumane. And they look upon us as like, what the hell's wrong with Americans? Like, why can't you guys manage dogs, control dogs, anything else? So these things do happen. These things do get passed. They have um, no compulsion over in those places either. They're, you're not allowed to use pinch collars, not allowed to use e-collars, or people are doing them secretively and in the back door and everything else. So the main point of the first half of the podcast is, yes, Petco did this, and yes, there's going to be some good benefits. They're trying to promote other businesses follow suit, and that's problematic for a multitude of reasons that we're going to unleash as we delve a little bit deeper. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think that Probably three quarters of my clients don't use e-collars at this point in my, in my training, uh, but I'm very open to e-collars. Depends on what people want, what they need. If they want a dog that they want to have off leash uh, sooner than later, then an e-collar is a great. Yeah, tool. I'd say if great there's if there's that. noise or um, off leash recall issues, like e-collar is a good go-to. A lot of people deal with these basic things like pulling on the leash. I don't need an e-collar to help a dog not pull on a leash, and, and neither well, does and the that, client. that gets into the, the nationwide ban that we talk about and why you're not as concerned about it. Okay, we're going to go to break real quick for Coranda, and uh, we will discuss some of these broader issues when we get back. We'll see you guys after. What makes Coranda Beds chew-proof? Only Coranda Beds have a patented design which secures the fabric inside the frame, making it totally inaccessible to jaws and paws. Your dog can't chew the fabric because we've hidden the edges inside the rails. Dogs love Coranda Beds. See why? Coranda Beds come in a variety of custom sizes. You can even add a fleece pad on top for extra coziness. And these beds can be used both indoors and outdoors. But best of all, our beds are easy to clean. Just wipe them off or hose them down. Visit dogbed.us slash thequirkydog for more details. All right, we are back and we are ready to rock and roll. So the quirky question of the day actually ties into this topic. And um, since we do talk about balance training and we aren't opposed to the use of e-collars or anything else, someone asked, what is the best e-collar to use on the market? And I will say that... Um, we really like the Dogtra. I would say Dogtra, Sport, um, Dog, Garmin, and e-collar technologies would be my four go-tos. Am I missing anything? Yeah, and um, Dogtra's been getting a little bit of heat lately. I hear from other trainers and people that yeah, you know, about there's the a lot quality. of inconsistency we, in, in the Dogtra We product. still like it. It's an easy-to-use collar. The one thing I do want to really mention simple. is... Um, this collar, and one reason why we like it, is it goes to zero to 100, okay? So um, a lot of times, like especially on a return or something, Scott will actually have owners have this in their hand and hit this and be like, you know, can you feel anything? Can you feel anything? Can you feel anything? And even for me right now, on like 20, I feel a little bit of something, but it's like an e-stim with a Cairo. It's not a big, you know, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? And some dogs are very sensitive. Like you could hit a dog on eight and that could be a huge correction to them. So just because you have the power doesn't mean you need to use it. But if you have a hundred different levels, at least that's um, a greater uh, a greater span of uh, numbers to work with than a collar that has like one to three or one to five or something How well like does that. that work on Scott? <laughs> Uh, it's very it's good effective. for his back. Effective. We've done this a lot when we get knots. We use this like an e-stim at home, but uh, yeah. it works well for that. I will say a lot of people associate that are not familiar with the electronic collars, they associate the collar with the invisible fence yes. stimulation. And a lot of people, it's amazing how many people are open to putting an invisible fence on their property to contain the dog. 
but would never put an electric collar on their dog that they control pushing the button. And the invisible fence is a pure aversive, you know, that the dog walks towards the flags, the collar beeps, gives them a tone, and that's the warning tone. If they continue to move forward, they'll get a, a good hard shock to want so that they back off and they show avoidance to these white flags. That's the way it works. It works pretty good for most dogs if they're trained the right way. With this, we're introducing very low stimulation um, and trying to teach them a language of what this collar means in relation to obedience. Well, and that gets into the methodology and how you use it. We don't use this just purely aversively. Well, we use it in, with communication. If you say bad, you're tapping to get compliance and kind of just overlaying to make back, things happen. It goes back to the zero to 100. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. There isn't, you're not doing an e-collar or an invisible fence where I'm going to baby you and start really low. And if you run through the fence a half a dozen times, I'll turn it up a little bit each time. You want them to not go through the fence Yeah, it's an aversive right from the front. And I will say dogs that we've trained on electric, if they do have a history of an invisible fence, they will often react differently because they've already had this really strong introduction. And with that said, I don't know if this will remain the case, but as of a half an hour ago before we started this podcast, Petco still had invisible fence collars all over their site. So I guess this is just stop the shock as it relates to you holding remote or anything else. Well, they don't want to stop the profit. Yeah. Just stop the shock. <laughs> their bark collars, um, I believe, were more citronella-based, but the invisible fence collars with the electric were still on the site. And that is something that we see so often, even like positive, positive, like trainers and clients or whatever you want to say, they'll have an invisible fence. And you're like, what are you doing? Oh, well, you know, a fence is really expensive. It's an eyesore. We got to keep the dogs contained. They just think of it all totally differently. So I do want to get into this because you always have a good, well, at least get into eight, what? eight years ago, you had a good response to this. I don't know if it's the same response. Why are you not concerned about a ban on e-collars in the country? For your own well, profession and your own sake. My, my I guess, business um, is not based around e-collars. I'm a dog trainer. I train dogs. Uh, with, I could train a dog with a leash and a flat collar, most dogs, if need be. Uh, an e-collar has its place. There's a lot of great things you can do with an e-collar but it's not the foundation of my business and how it works. So yeah, and if, if I couldn't use an e-collar tomorrow, I'm still out training dogs. Yeah, he'd still, still do everything still the same. So as far as a threat to Scott's business or his business model, that's not a huge concern. Other reasons, I don't think it would be a thing that ever came to be in this country. Um, Garmin just bought Tritronics, which was a huge, they did that a few years ago now, a huge e-collar brand. The, the Garmin Bark Limiter is our bark collar of choice. If you're looking for a bark collar, I would well, start with a Garmin bark limiter and put it on three and you have seven levels to vary to see how that goes. What were you going to say? I want to say that um, the, the reason that I t take this approach with my business is because if I feel, and I felt that if you're only using e-collars as your primary tool for your business, you're excluding a certain portion of the public. And uh, I don't want to exclude anybody. I want to be able to help everybody. I need every dog I can get in for training. And if people say, hey, I don't want to use an e-collar, depending on what they tell me, nine times out of 10, I'll say, fine, we don't need one. If they say, hey, I want my dog off leash on the beach uh, in three or four classes, but I'm not using an e-collar, I'll say, well, I'm not the right guy for it. And you, you do that, you yes. Know, you do it not to exclude. You do it not to exclude clients, but you also do it because you don't need the tool. I mean, that's the broader. You're a talented enough trainer that you can train a dog without an e-collar, so it's not a big to do. But as yeah. far as the 
logistics of what this would look like. So there's been some stuff, like there was um, a county, maybe it was Hillsborough County, somewhere in Florida, where they were introducing legislation. And this is all normally very animal rights driven. This isn't driven from trainers. This is all driven from a broader animal rights yeah. base. Trainers are out working for a living. They're, yeah. not, they're not gathering... Uh names for petitions. So there was a county in Florida where it was like, we don't want you to be able to use, you know, pinch collars, e-collars, everything else. In the States, it is very hard for things like that to pass. And I think that that's a multifold system. I would say COVID has brought out a lot within Americans about they want to freaking live how they want to live. They want their rights. They want their guns. They don't want to wear masks, whatever else. Furthermore, Garmin, as I was saying, um, bought out Tritronics a few years ago. Garmin is almost a $9 trillion company, okay? So Petco is, you know, brinking on maybe hitting like the $6 billion mark. We're talking big money. We're talking big money behind all of these things. And everyone quotes the same few studies of, oh, they can cause stress. Oh, they can do this. Oh, they can do this. Well, scientifically, you can put e-collars on dogs and measure cortisol levels and make things happen as well. Like, it's not something that has been done where there's studies, but you can show that like, here was a dog, here's a dog at the end of training, which one's less stressed, which one's more compliant, which one's cortisol levels are happier, yada, 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 yada. So when we're talking $9 trillion <clears throat> and big profit margin and things like that, there are ways where um, legislatively people can push back and money in law matters a great deal, as we can tell with how things have gone a bit in 2020 yeah. and the rest of the time. So for us, we're not super concerned about, oh my God, collars are going to be banned in America. It's what is this rhetoric? What are we pushing? It's the same thing as adopt, don't shop. It's a completely other podcast, but these are just buzz phrases about like, okay, who is pushing all of this stuff? Adopt, don't shop was very pet story, very everything else. It was pushed with a mission. This is pushed with a mission. Stop the shock. We're getting rid of all electric collars at Petco, except invisible fences as of today, even though we made the big announcement yesterday. Okay. So what does that mean for a broader sense? We encourage other businesses to do the same. It's just getting on a political bandwagon yeah, be, here be and it's about money. Correct, yeah. yeah. So and, just um, know what you're seeing and know what you're looking at and understand that better. And I am not saying that Maybe you can go to an in-person class at Petco and fix all your problems or have a Petco trainer come to your house and everything will be great. But dog training is tricky. Dog training takes a lot of experience. It is not a cookie cutter thing. You do not say, oh, that dog's 20 pounds, displays this behavior, da 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 Okay, this is what we're going to do. That's part of my concern with medication is people just medicate so quickly just by observing. Dog training is very in the moment, feel, go with your intuition, see how the dog is responding. If something isn't working, change up the frickin' camp. I once taught a dog how to walk on a pinch collar on a gentle leader. I mean, I, th this is like, that's what happens sometimes. The dog would bite the leash. Okay. Then I put the muzzle on the dog. Then the dog tried to claw out its eyes with the muzzle. I, I did it by conditioning the dog to a pinch collar by wearing a gentle leader. Speak out, look outside the camps, look where you will be successful, where your clients will be successful, where the dogs will be successful. And as soon as you start taking tools away, you're limiting success of other people. And really, I, I don't know how to say this in a nicer way, but screw you if you're going to make other people feel bad for not 
being able to fix a certain issue, but you're not willing to help yourself either. That really bothers me, this like bashing and shaming we do with everybody else. And then you say, okay, can you take my dog? Can you do it? No, I don't deal with aggression yeah, because my, of my insurance. Yeah. Or I, 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 th- th- that's outside of my realm of things. Why don't you go see this behaviorist? Like that is such a crock of shit. If you're not going to help someone, do not make someone feel bad for their own choices. Do I use electric with my, my own dogs? No, I, I don't. And we don't really even have collars on any of our personal dogs. There's really no need. There's really no nothing. We, I have one dog that I'll put the collar on. If we go out to the beach, you'll put the collar yeah. on your Malinois or something yeah. just for some extra security. But like, it's not like our dogs only listen because we have remotes in our hand and we're, you know, telecasting at the dogs and do this, do that. Like it, yeah. it's such a deep rooted issue of like, okay, you're going to talk a lot of smack, then fine. Show me the answers. Take the leash. Hold yeah, the leash. The alternative is you start putting dogs down all over the place. Or you medicate the hell out of dogs. Yeah. And that's not cheap either. Like, if you want to go the money route, like, oh, you know, I, I'm not used to dealing with that. Let's go to see a behaviorist. I don't know what the average dollar amount is that people spend on a behaviorist. It's like but five, 600 bucks. That's typically. just for a consult. And that's outside of medication. And that's a whole nother can of worms. But that's not hitting the mark either. We're seeing a lot of fallout there. And that's something that we will address at a later time in more depth to give you guys our understanding on that as we see it. But a lot of these people who are pushing, treat, train, um, don't use any aversives, make the dog happy, don't put too much pressure. They're not in the field actually handling dogs. And it really bothers me with this purely positive movement of all these figureheads not many of them are out there actually holding a leash anymore. They're just influencers. And are their own dogs great? Yes. That doesn't mean they're interacting with the public on a regular basis, nor does it necessarily mean they ever did. But the proof is in the pudding, guys. We train at least 300 dogs a year, 300 to 500 a year. We've been together ourselves for almost 10 years now. That's a lot of freaking dogs between the two of us. And Scott's done way more dogs besides that outside of the scope of me. So I I don't have an issue with Petco making a choice for its company, for its own profit or anything else. But don't turn this into a political freaking game of stop the shock and everybody follow and we're so great and, you know, be more like us and having PETA in your back pocket and all this. Like, it gets sleazy. And I guess maybe it's 2020 and the election's going to be in a month and sleazy's just popping up everywhere and every way from every side. But it happens in the dog industry, too. So at least see it for what it is. Make your own choice as you want and then move forward. But open your eyes. Don't act like, oh, this is so great. We're moving <clears throat> forward and we're making such progress. Yeah, I don't think that uh, shock collars should be banned for sure. Uh, we need to have access to any tool that we choose to use. And the flip side of that is if you're abusing a tool and abusing an animal, you should be frig- friggin' hung out to dry. Yeah, you know, the animal- and you can abuse an animal with a flat collar. You can abuse an animal with your bare hands. Like, this isn't about tools. This is about people and how they interact with animals. Yeah, and- gonna, there was a video I saw the other day on uh, uh, one of these social networks where this guy, the dog ran away. He finally got the dog, and he's bringing the dog on a leash back to his home, and he stops and just starts punching the dog in the head because he was so pissed that the dog ran away. It's crazy. You know, people are, you know, they get all emotional. But I mean, yeah, if you're going to just start hammering a dog with an e-collar or a pinch collar or a flat collar, if you're going to hold the leash, you know, whatever, kick your dog, you should go to jail. And you stopped using e-collars for a while in California because you didn't like the way that the clients were dealing with it. That was over a decade ago. I stopped using collars for a while because people were only using them to stop behavior they didn't like. They didn't care about training. I got the feeling that they didn't care about training. They weren't doing the homework. But the dog wasn't digging in the yard anymore, wasn't chewing on the furniture. It would just, you know, lay in the corner and not do anything. And I was like, I didn't get into this business for that, you know. But 
That's not so much the case. That's not so much the case now. People, if anything, um, being button happy or whatever you want to call it, isn't so much the case now. It's just getting people to just follow through with structure. If we can get people to create their dogs, and and here's another difference: is that I, in my front end uh, questioning and pre-screening kind of of clients, I have created or work more with people I want to work with. When I first started, I was scared that I couldn't make a living, and I took everybody that would give me a credit card. And I took, you know, and so I was getting into a lot of situations with people I didn't want to be in. And I learned from that. And then I started saying, hey, you know, if you're, if you just want to stop negative behavior and you don't want to train, I can't help you. We need to, you know, teach this dog some behaviors and how to be a, you know, a good social um, member of society. And the other flip side of what a lot of people were saying is, yeah, it's great. These shouldn't be available to the general public. They should just be available to trainers. Well, then in my mind, that opens up this whole thing of like, okay, what does that mean? Like, do we get a certificate now? The CPDTs from Karen Pryor School aren't going to be buying e-collars. Like, who? what qualifies you now to be able to have a license to buy an e-collar and share it with your clients and everything else? Because we get back to the what makes you a trainer and what certifications are there and everything else. So it's just like this whole slew of, all right, what are we looking at and where are we headed? And the bottom line is, if you're not going to support electric, then you shouldn't be supporting electric fences. And if it's just your company's policy, fine. But don't try to start this bullshit movement based on something that has nothing to do with humane treatment of dogs. I am The wool has been pulled from my eyes. This is a money move. This is a political move. This is a move now where they're going to be getting email addresses and they're going to be getting more money by having people go to the house. I don't think eight weeks at the house is going to be as cheap as their eight-week in-person pet class. It's expensive to use your time and go to people's homes. What are the, the quality of those trainers look like? How does that go? Are we going to have news stories now of Petco trainer goes to home and is mauled? This, that, and the other thing. Like These are all things to consider, and this matters. And the bottom line is we are heading towards a clusterfuck of dog ownership more than we've ever been heading. Quickly downhill, in my opinion. And stuff like this gets the boat only going quicker and only going down quicker and no one's seeing the repercussions that this may have. So I just want to put that out there so everyone is aware. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, dog training is an unregulated industry and any dog training certification, a certification was made by a person that decided I'm going to create a certification for dog Mm -hmm. trainers. That's all it is. It's not a government entity. You know, it's not any, any type of government that's setting it up. It's just someone that does it and if they've done it long enough, then it seems like a legitimate thing. They've and made it bigger and word bigger, of mouth it, travels. Like nowadays with Yelp and Facebook and everything else, those are the successful dog trainers. Yeah, but I mean, there's e-collar schools you can go to, get certified as an e-collar trainer. It's someone that got into e-collar training and was proficient enough to show other people how to do it and then gave them a certification after they went through their school. It's as legitimate as it can be. Same with the clicker trainers and everything else. Mm-hmm. But none of it, it's all just someone decided, hey, I'm going to open up a school and, and I'm going to certify people. And furthermore, if you are going to go to a school like that, look at the figurehead of that school. I don't care who it is. I'm not even going to start mentioning names. But look at who is running that school. See look if they at work who, with dogs. Exactly. <laughs> See the last time they picked up a leash themselves, whether it was their dog or someone else's dog. And then question, well, why are they going to get X amount of thousand dollars for me or whatever it is. Like just do a little bit of research, just stand back a little bit and look at things from a broader picture. And yes, if you're jumping on the stop the shock movement, good for you. That's fine. It's all your own choice, but at least know the interworkings of what really is going on here. And I believe that 
some of the things that we have exposed today is the real reason behind this. It doesn't have anything to do with them hoping that dogs live happier lives and eat more trees. Well, it's one of the reasons why the e-collar uh, trainers are, and the franchises are so popular. It's because it does work, and you can teach someone how to use an e-collar effectively and train a dog with it. And it, you can get results in a quick, you know, a short period of time. So if it's done right... Uh, it's a very effective tool. Yeah. And then where are you going to draw the line? I guess that's the bottom line is like, you know, people will be like, oh, you know, these are all businesses that Trump supports. If you don't like Trump, don't do this. Okay. Well, AT&T is on there. I'm not going to freaking go and change my phone service now for this. So if you're happy that Petco did this, great. Then you should only be shopping at Petco. If you're upset, then you shouldn't give Petco another dime again. But like, where are we going to draw the line? There's all this political minutia here. And how much does it really impact your day-to-day -day life? And if you believe in the movement, that's great. But I don't think Petco is going to start this big slew of, hey, we got the other companies to follow lead and take suit, and yay, good for us. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. You we'll brought see. up Trump. Oh, God, here we go. I'm glad that he's recovered. He doesn't own a dog. Oh, This makes me very stressed. That's next week. And if he did own a dog, <laughs> would he use an e-collar? Or what dog would it be? Next week, we are going to do White House dogs. We're going to have a little bit of a lighter topic, but uh, we needed to address this today. This is a big thing going on in the dog world. And just know all the facts before you uh, make your decisions. That's how I feel. Yeah, and uh, leave a comment if you think that uh, we shouldn't have e-collars or we should. Let us know what you think. Yeah, comment, like, share, bash us, love us. We're, we'll take it all. I'm going to put an e-collar on the pig. <laughs> well, he, he did. He did in the Instagram. Okay, next week we're doing White House dogs. Uh, think about what kind of breed Trump may own if he did own a dog. But Joe Biden, I think he owns some dogs, no? He does. Oh, it's exciting. All right, studio at thecorkydog.com. If you need anything from us, we'll see you next week. Keep it quirky. Peace. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.